Hi guys and welcome to Fitter Food Radio. Um, it's Keris today driving, just me I'm afraid, uh, but I am excited to tell you I have an awesome guest with me, someone I'm very excited um, to talk to today and, and share her story with you guys. Her name is Melanie Millen. I'm hoping I said that right, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, and Melanie actually owns Love Kombucha, which is an amazing company. Uh, we actually met at the Paleo Society conference um, and I was really excited when I wandered past her stall and saw all these beautiful bottles of kombucha and I'm hoping that Melanie is going to help me pop my kombucha cherry <laughs> because I've never I've tasted it obviously but I've never made it myself um, and excitingly you have a book out so we're going to get chatting all about kombucha today and hear Melanie's story I should introduce you hello Melanie <laughs> yes. great to see you um yeah so let's kick off by just talking about your story so if you uh obviously we met the paleo society so i imagine you're a bit of a fan of the paleo diet but how did you come um to basically set up love kombucha what what was the story behind that so i did come at kombucha from a paleo perspective um i i suppose i i was i'm not 100 percent paleo i'm not a massive meat eater so i do the kind of 80 20 i'm pretty good most of the time yeah um but i had one real sticking point and that's um a fizzy drink addiction <laughs> uh, now being um totally on board with with all things paleo and and um yeah i'm completely on board there i wouldn't touch a diet coke to save my life but um occasionally i would still drink full fat all the sugar coke um and you know, as we all know when, when you go paleo you're it's a bit like when you cut out salt when you cut out sugar your taste buds quite quickly adjust and get you know recalibrate almost and i realized it wasn't the sugar that i was craving it was the fizz and i couldn't find anything else that was doing it so that was one aspect the other it's a bit, it was a bit of a perfect storm actually so you had the, the paleo thing and wanting to cut out fizzy drinks but but having this overwhelming craving um the second uh was that i suffered with ibs for about 10 years um which is how I came to paleo, you know, trying to kind of heal that part. Um, and the third was that I was in a job that I couldn't stand and was really stressful. And of course, all of these things together contribute to this this chronic IBS. Um, I tried fermented foods and I've been looking at fermented foods and I'm a, I'm a little bit of a picky eater. I'm really ashamed to say that, but I am. <laughs> um, and, you know, sauerkraut and kimchi and they just don't do it for me. I've tried and I've wanted to like them, but but basically I just didn't like them. Yeah. So when yeah. I read about kombucha, I thought, oh, fizzy drink. That's, you know, <laughs> that's not too much much of a leap in my tiny little you know um fussy eater mind I, I'm thinking moldy cabbage you know I'm not sure about that and but, but <laughs> which is literally I couldn't get past the fact cabbage isn't supposed to smell like that and it should be kept in the fridge so um fizzy drinks I thought this is this is something that I can do um so I ordered a kit uh, started making it myself just with a tiny little glass jar on my kitchen side basically forced anyone who came into the house to listen to look what this is and this is what it does and this is how it works um within the space of about six weeks i noticed a huge difference so not only did it kick the fizzy drink craving that i had but then you start making it more interesting by adding different flavors um which isn't essential but but you can do um and the the ibs all but disappeared so i couldn't not kind of share that with other people and had i been in I suppose had I been in a job that I was loving, um, it maybe Love Kombucha never would have been born. But but the combination of all of these factors, I was working really long hours, I was a single mum, I was not seeing enough of my son, you know, the whole work-life balance thing was way out of kilter. Um, there's another thing I love about the paleo diet, it doesn't just talk about what you eat, it addresses the whole 
lifestyle. you know, ha- lifestyle, yeah. how yeah. we exercise, getting good quality sleep, all of those things. Uh, and I just thought it's time to make a humongous change. Um, had someone told me at the time how difficult a journey it would be. <laughs> you might think twice. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would have thought it. But, but here we are three years later. So I'm very pleased that I took that step with all the stresses and strains that come with trying to run a startup or more importantly, actually trying to run a manufacturer. I, I, when I set out on this journey, I knew that I, I was passionate about kombucha and that I could talk to people and persuade people that they should try it and, um, and, and effectively sell it. Um, but I didn't really... Um, appreciate at the time that I would be setting myself up to run a manufacturing business and all all that that entails so you know you've got logistics I've got I've now got a forklift truck and a license to drive one and all you know all of those I I didn't ever sit down and work out exactly how I was going to get from A to B it's just been a bit of a a shock are you (laughs) are you making all the kombucha yourself then still by hand yeah, so we manufacture, um, and it start, as I said, it started with a little glass jar. Uh, just as you know, if you look online, kombucha blogs, whatever, you'll see generally a glass jar with this thing floating in the top and what looks like stringy tea. That sounds disgusting. I completely agree, um, but it's not scary once you understand the processes and what's going on. Uh, and that that grew to two jars, which grew to three jars, and then it got a bit ridiculous. So we upgraded to kind of twenty five liter. Uh, brewing vessels buckets food grade buckets um that people brew beer and stuff in um and then we had three of them then we had six of them and then before you knew it kind of the spare room had been converted into a mini brewery and obviously with food production and and selling something that's manufactured at home um we got environmental health out to um you know to obviously check the premises and make a couple of suggestions like making sure we had lino on the floor and just just really basic things um, what do they think of the fact, though, that it's it's kind of a live food? Was is is I'm sure the the food hygiene kind of perspective on that is like what? <laughs> so. it, absolutely. Um, so we've got great environmental health in West Berkshire where we're based, and they um, they they really worked with us to kind of find out what the processes were. What because I refuse to use any chemicals in my either in the brewing or um, or even in the cleaning. So the brew room when it when it used to be at home. Um, was a no cleaning product zone at all. We use a steam cleaner. Yeah, you can't um, use any chemical cleaning, can you? Any antibacterial cleaning agents? Yeah, so any residue that's left absolutely would kill the culture. Um, And I've brought that ethos into the... So we've got a brewery now where we can brew um, about 8,000 litres a month. And it's the same process. I just have massive tanks instead of little glass jars. But it's exactly the same process and it's all done by hand. And again, we, you know, we, we do steam cleaning... Um, and we're working with them when we've got, you know, when we've got some more money to do some more research, they actually want to work with us to kind of um, do a, a study on how effective the steam cleaning is and how effective the, so we, we rinse using vinegar as well, but we use our own kombucha vinegar rather than buying vinegar and int- introducing that. You shouldn't really use vinegar with kombucha, although lots of um, kind of unofficial blogs will recommend that. Yeah. Um, we, we can come on to that later. Um, so, yeah, our environmental health has been great. Uh, they were really happy with us operating from home um the the guy that came and inspected us actually you know regularly buys it in the local health shop as well so i'm kind of happy that i've converted him and he's you're bribing him now with free kombucha Uh, i can share it with the whole office and then it's not considered bribery (laughs) but that's fine take enough for the whole office get them all onto it (laughs) 
Well, I suppose we should backtrack a little bit because I've just raced off asking you loads of questions because I'm so fascinated. But we should actually start to... Can you explain to our listeners exactly what kombucha is? Yes. Um, and, and kind of the, the processes to making your own kombucha. So how did you start when you were at home? What did you do? And, uh, yeah, and I, I do exactly the same as I, as I did at home now. It's just on a bigger scale. So, so the basic ingredients of kombucha are tea and sugar. Um, and some pre-brewed kombucha and that's kind of the catch you do you do need some pre-brewed kombucha to start um so in the same way that sauerkraut is fermented cabbage kombucha is fermented tea there isn't much tea or sugar left in the finished product depending on how long you brew it for but if you were making at home and there's more information about the equipment you need which isn't much but but the equipment you need and kind of the process that you go through go through in the book there's a whole section on the different brewing methods but from a very basic perspective you make a batch of Green tea, white tea, black tea, as long as it's made with proper tea leaves. So there's a fashion these days. Tea's very popular, um, but there are lots of teas that aren't suitable. Most The fashion is to call anything that you'd steep in hot water tea, but actually it does need to be, uh, for kombucha brewing at least, it needs to be the proper tea leaf. Like so a loose leaf tea bag then, you can't use fine... You can use tea bags, yeah. so PG tips is fine, okay. <laughs> you know, um, loose leaf green tea, green leaf tea bags, but you wouldn't use like a green tea with lemon, for example, Okay. or, or an Earl Grey that's got, because uh, an Earl Grey's got um, like some essential oils in it that, that doesn't, don't particularly agree with the culture. Oh, um, okay. So bog standard tea, as green tea, black tea, white tea, um, and also some people use hibiscus, um, although I can't comment because I haven't. Um, and then you add an alarming amount of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> people get really hung up about the sugar. Um, yeah. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe how much is in there. But the, you've got to remember the sugar isn't for us to consume in the finished product. Um, it's a it's a necessary um, ingredient that the, that the cultures within kombucha metabolize into all the good stuff that we then do want to consume in the finished product. So um, tea, sugar, and then around 10% starter liquid. So starter li- liquid is unflavored already brewed kombucha and if you ever buy so you can buy it in the shops our original kombucha is unflavored and and obviously unpasteurized unpasteurized is very important as well if you buy a culture online it's called the culture is called a scoby c-o-b-y and that stands for symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast Um, and the reason um so you don't actually need a scoby to start brewing the scoby is a byproduct of the fermentation so as long as you have tea sugar pre-brewed kombucha around 10% or maybe slightly more if you're starting out then the cult as it ferments over the course of anywhere between some people say seven days I don't think that's long enough um so we do between 14 and 21 days um and the scoby actually will form on top so if you've already got a scoby you'll get a thicker layer or another layer um if you don't have a scoby one will begin to it'll start off like a jelly layer on top as it grows it will gradually get thicker and go kind of white um, that's normal. Don't throw it away unless it's mouldy. <laughs> oh, the amount of people who will send photographs, there are lots of, there's a massive community of um, home kombucha brewers online. Um, lots of them in the US, but there are now UK fermenting groups popping up uh, on Facebook and such like. Um, and the amount of people that post pictures of their forming scobies saying, is this normal? Is this normal? Is it? Is it okay? Do I need to throw it all away? Um, and 90% of them are normal even though they look a bit gross. So with the mould, you would probably throw it away or at least cut so, the mouldy uh, bit off? No, you'd throw it away. you throw it away, okay. Yeah, so um, so when mould when mold, um, has grown to the point where you can see it with the naked eye, yeah. um, it's potentially already got roots down into 
whatever the, the product scoping. is. Not, and I'm, yeah, I'm not just talking kombucha, but um, so. But mould in, um, so, that, so sometimes a, a scoby will have a dry patch, that's fine. Sometimes it will have lumpy, bumpy patches or holes in it or discoloration. All of those generally are normal. Um, mould on a scoby will look like mould on bread. Uh, so it will be dry, always, furry, usually, uh, and often kind of bluish, greenish in colour. And, and if it's not furry or bluish, greenish in colour, the likelihood is it's not mould. And we would usually recommend that people... Just keep an eye on it, watch it, let it develop over a few days, and invariably you'll you'll know definitely one way or the other. And is it it's true? So the longer you leave um, the kombucha fermenting, the more sour it becomes. But that is suspected. Well, not suspected, but that is thought that that's going to be higher levels of beneficial bacteria. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you brew kombucha, um, the pH drops. So and this is why one of the reasons you add starter liquid so as you add starter liquid you you reduce the ph so if you left a a big jar of sweet green tea or whatever at room temperature for two weeks it would probably just go moldy so so when you introduce the ph at the the um ready brewed kombucha sorry you lower the ph to a point where it's resistant to airborne bacteria and molds and you also introduce um uh, the colonies of bacteria and yeast that can then ferment to form the scoby I've forgotten what your question was. <laughs> <laughs> the longer you, <laughs> the longer you leave it, the more yes, sour absolutely. it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, so, so, so you lower the pH by adding the starter liquid, um, and then uh, so there are various peaks and troughs of what's produced during the brewing process. Um, so to start with, go sour. I don't want it to go sour. The chances are you'd still have quite a lot of sugar left, but you'd also have a bit of an alcohol spike. And by spike, I mean maybe one, one and a half percent. I'm not talking mega alcoholic here. Um, but as the process continues, um, the bacteria then metabolize the alcohol into beneficial acids. So, uh, so, so the sugar turns into alcohol, which then turns into acids. Obviously, the more acidic it gets, the less sweet it tastes, the less sugar there is in it. There is a kind of sour period between the seven and 14 day mark where most people would taste it and think oh I'm not sure that's a bit sour I should stop it or I should do it for less time next time but if you've got the patience if you leave it a little bit longer between the 14 and 21 days actually that quite often mellows out as those acids are then turned into other things as well so um each batch is slightly different you know um it's a learning process and most of anything you should probably trust your your taste buds um, and taste it at the beginning as well because you don't know if it's changing if you didn't taste it to start with awesome. <laughs> that's really important <laughs> <laughs> and for those people who might have tried kombucha so you mentioned basically having um ibs symptoms and you came to paleo mm-hmm. made some dietary changes and then came to live fermented foods uh, and kombucha really worked for you but a lot of people do kind of um try kombucha and might get some digestive discomfort and what kind of yes. advice do you offer people if they aren't really getting on with it initially um, start small is always the advice. So um, most of our diets, not so much within the paleo community, but most of our diets are devoid of real foods. Um, if you're starting to drink kombucha and reducing sugar, you're likely to have some changes in your digest- digestive system anyway. Um, so start small. Uh, our 500 ml bottles, the swing top ones, I usually say for someone starting out, that's probably five um serving so 100 mils a day which is what that's like a, a large shot glass really isn't it yeah yeah, um, a couple of need, yeah you don't you don't need much um I, lots of people will just have a glass and not really experience any discomfort but if you do start small and for every glass of kombucha have at least one glass of water because um kombucha has quite a powerful detoxing effect 
the yeasts in the, the good yeasts and bacteria kind of have to fight with if you've got yeast issues in your body that sometimes they take a while to um you know, have this little battle going on internally and you can experience yeast die off which is quite uncomfortable so always drink plenty of water and listen to your body you know if, if you've tried something you're drinking loads of water and you've only had a little bit um, daily and you're still experiencing discomfort it might be that there are other issues and, and you need to look um, into those but rather than just keep going keep going keep going I always yeah. say just listen to um, how you're feeling because there is some advice out there for people um, with kind of uh, what, what they might think of or refer to as candida or any kind of yeast overgrowth that they should avoid fermented foods and I've heard this a lot of times repeated by practitioners and, and various blogs but actually, um, there's also another school of thought sort of saying, well, like, as you've just said, there's so much beneficial yeast and, and sort of ways of boosting up healthy bacteria by eating fermented foods that then your body's kind of natural immune defences can kick in and, and get rid of any opportunistic infections. Is, exactly. is that kind of what you advise people to have a little go? And It is. And, uh, you know, if someone says, well, I, well, I've been drinking for a week and I don't feel right or my eczema's fed up or, you know, whatever other yeasty conditions are out there, um, I would still say persist for a little while but but yeah. still listen to your body you know I don't want to be held responsible for someone drinking two gallons of kombucha a day and suddenly blaming me that their uh, you know that their ex was flared up it starts small drink lots of water and ultimately each batch of kombucha is slightly different so yeah, contains, which is one of the reasons it's beneficial to keep brewing new batches and, and keep drinking it but um so it might be that one brand of kombucha or or, or, or a shop-bought kombucha has you flaring up but you, if you make it at home it doesn't um, or one batch will and another batch won't I think um, I think the advice to start small drink plenty of water and listen to your body is is never going to be bad advice <laughs> um, and and that lots of people do experience die off uh, as in these these uncomfortable symptoms but if they persist then generally they go away and how long can these be out of the fridge because sometimes when I'm out and about um, I'll go to the health food shop and think I'll pick up some kombucha is it kind of all right to hang around in your bag for the day or does it really need to be kept quite cool? Once it's fermented, I know everything goes in the fridge. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. So most brands of kombucha insist on refrigerated distribution and, and storage. Yeah. Um, and that's the main reason for that is because they're concerned about alcohol content. So um, once you've made kombucha, if you then add something like fruit juice or sugar or raisins or, or something that gets the yeasts all excited, which is what creates the fizz, then there can be a slight spike in alcohol content. So in the US, many years, or not many years ago, probably 2010, six, goodness me, is that six years? Yeah. Um, <laughs> time <points. laughs> um, the whole, there, there was some testing of kombucha that had been on the shelves and the alcohol content had risen oh, wow. um, above the legal required limit. I think it was up to about 1% or something. So still fairly minimal. Yeah. Um, in the UK, I think people are less stressed and less worried about that. Um, the reason our kombucha doesn't actually need refrigerating at all. Oh, really? Uh, and the, re the reason for that is we brew it. So, so and I... I can only compare with what other people have on my labels, but all of our kombucha has less than three grams of sugar per 100 mils because we brew it for that longer period of time. Most kombucha will fizz within a few days. Ours actually takes a couple of months to fizz because it, the sugar content is so low. And when we, although we flavour ours using cold-pressed juices, 
um, the amount is minimal. So whilst I'm totally giving my recipe away here, our, blue- <laughs> <laughs> our blueberry kombucha um, has three milliliters of blueberry juice in it. Oh wow! So hard I mean, it's, it's less than a teaspoon. Yeah. Um, and blueberry juice on its own isn't actually that sweet. Um, it's quite a dry tasting juice. It's it's not. I mean, you don't generally buy blueberry juice on its own. It'll always be mixed with something else. Yeah, blueberries aren't that sweet, are they? If you think about not compared to other berries. Yeah. So um, so so. If you keep the, if you brew longer, keep the sugar content low. Um, I actually found one of my bottles of. We, we obviously keep back stock from every single brew batch so that we can test them, and if there are any issues, we've got records. And I drank one the other day that had been sitting in my office here, which is like a, um, it's like an icebox in the winter, and it's like a greenhouse in the summer. Um, so it had been through kind of eighteen months of different temperatures, but didn't, never refrigerated, um, and it was one of the best bottles of kombucha I've ever really? had. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it, it generally can be little age, um, like a fine wine, I like to say, including, oh, yeah. you know, the fact it might get sediment at the bottom and each bottle has a slightly different character. And um, so personally, our love kombucha doesn't need to be refrigerated. Um, the only thing to watch out for if, it's, if you've got a warm bottle is that if it's really fizzy, it might overflow. So you want to pop it back in the fridge before you open it, um, just to minimise losing half the bottle, basically. <laughs> oh, amazing. So with the, um, when I mentioned, so I've never made kombucha, but someone did gift us a scoby and Matt had a go. I kept yeah. out of the process because I'm always busy doing bone broth and other sort of stuff. So I was like, you can just deal with fermented foods. And we went away for a couple of days and he left it on the table. I think he left his mum responsible for burping the bottle, which is where you release the gas each day as it's fermenting. And we think, well, we suspect that she forgot one day because the glass exploded everywhere, (laughs) all over the kitchen and kombucha went just all up the walls. So Um, I've got to ask you, was it in a jar? It was in a... This goby. It was in a glass, either a kilner jar... Or it might have been a glass bottle, you know, like the kilner glass bottles. Right. So um, unless you've finished, so so this, so you should never have a lid on it, basically. Unless really? You, unless it's a finished product, uh, juice um, or kombucha uh, that you've flavoured or whatever, and it's at the right level of fizziness, yeah. um, you shouldn't really seal it. So, so just yeah, in a glass so, jar with no lid on it at all would be better. Yeah, you need, what you need is a tight weave cloth over the top that's secured. Or some people use coffee filters. Other people would use um, a couple of layers of um, good quality kitchen paper. Okay, so the gas is escaping, really. Gas is escaping. So yeah. kombucha is in, isn't it amazing how you can explain to someone how to brew and totally forget to mention that like, kombucha is an aerobic brewing process and that you need to have... <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's funny when you do something every day, you forget about it. I was going to say, you're so involved in it, it's like second nature to you. (laughs) So anyway, I promise that it's all very logically laid out in the book without these massive gaping gaps of don't forget to not put a lid on. Um, So yeah, it's it's an aerobic brewing process, which, which means that kombucha can't brew unless it's got a fresh fresh air supply um, and the reason obviously we don't leave it uncovered is because you've got dust and um fruit flies absolutely love kombucha um, oh, they will okay. find a way in if there is one i have lost a thousand liter batch before oh, no. to fruit oh, flies no. yeah they they lay their eggs this is a bit disgusting they lay their eggs in the scoby um and then you notice them about a week later as you take the cloth off and all these fruit flies come out so that's oh, one no. of the reasons it has to be tight weave basically if you hold uh, if you hold the, the material that you're planning on using up to the light and you can see through the holes, so muslin cloth, um, anything like that, if you can see through the holes, it's too big. 
and you need to, so t-shirt material is quite good yeah. Um, yeah because it's stretchy when you when you pull it down and tighten the elastic band you can see that it's a smooth surface there are no wrinkles or folds in the material that the cultures uh, that the fruit flies are going to be able to climb through and um if you have muslin even if you use multiple layers of it they will find a way in through all of the layers so um definitely not muslin under any circumstances i'm glad you said that because my first thought was oh i'll use my muslin cloth (laughs) (laughs) chop up an old t-shirt even a tea towel or like i say coffee filters are good or um kitchen paper towel and what sort of flavors then have you i mean i'm sure um i should mention to all our listeners so you have written a book Obviously, this is yes. this is something you're really passionate about, um, and hopefully, so idiots like me don't basically <laughs> put lives at risk by trying to brew kombucha with the lid on. Um, so, what are some of the recipes that that you've kind of you you must have dabbled with loads? And I've heard I've, I've read online people do things like um, they they put alcohol in the brews, don't they, as well? So you can mix you can it. Can do yeah. I mean, if you uh, there are not that that would be my first um, you know <laughs> priority. <laughs> wish I had time because I, I would have done it by now had I time um so we, we do and I'll talk about our flavors that we do just because you know they're the ones I deal with on a daily basis but in the book there are over 60 different flavor combinations so um we do an original which is unflavored and whatever tea you make your kombucha with will give it a different base flavor yeah so we use green tea that gives quite a nice light appley taste appley cidery tasting kombucha yeah if i had to describe it um i'd say it's somewhere between kind of a, a flat scrumpy cider and an apple cider vinegar and that will fizz eventually but it takes a long time um so the addition of fruit juice is good or chopped up fruit or um, i mean you can use herbs you can use essential oils as long as they're suitable for human consumption um there's the possibilities are endless um we do ginger um, and we've, we've tried to choose flavours that complement what kombucha does. So um, ginger is great for digestion, as is kombucha. Um, ginger also creates really good fizz without adding too much sugar or sweetness. Um, so if you wanted to flavour a homebrewed kombucha with ginger, you could either chop up some chunks, literally chop up some chunks and shove them into the, bo- the, the neck of the bottle. It's really important that you have a, a really good tight seal on um otherwise you won't get any fizz at all because the air keeps escaping so the swing top grosh style bottles are ideal uh, but if you've got even an old wine bottle or something to with a screw top lid uh, to, to to try with uh, before you invest in buying special bottles then that would also be fine so you can chop up chunks and put them in um grating ginger is quite a good way of getting it in because lots of the juices are released so you shove in the grated ginger um, but also pour from the tray or the plate or whatever any juices that have come out during that process. Um, or I, my favourite way um, is to actually just juice root ginger um, and, and use the, the juice. Um, so when you juice ginger, and most people haven't kind of inspected it before, <laughs> um, but you get, if you leave it to settle, you get a distinct settling of, it's almost like a cornflower substance in the bottom. It's quite thick, so you need to shake the bottom or stir up the juice ginger and make sure that you include that bit at the bottom because actually I discovered to my own expense after bottling a great amount of ginger kombucha and not stirring up the stuff in the bottom that that is effectively the essence of ginger. So if you do juice ginger, make sure you get the, the sludgy stuff at the bottom because that's the good stuff. So um, if you're flavouring a bit, you literally just add whatever it is you want into the bottle. We do blueberry as well. Um, blueberry's obviously got antioxidant um, properties, as has kombucha. 
Um, and we do a ginger and lime, not because of any special reasons apart from it goes really nicely with gin. That's my favourite one, actually, of yours. <laughs> not with the gin, again, just to add. <laughs> but when I, because uh, I think we ordered your blueberry, ginger and lime, and I think the plain one, and ginger and lime was definitely my favourite. Yeah. Um, and what I loved is we actually ordered a big batch in January when we kind of were like, right, Christmas is done, dusted. Um, yeah. We're not going to drink for January. We're going to give up caffeine. We give up, like, we always do this every year and it was really nice at the weekend to sit down with a glass of kombucha and it is just kind of a habitual thing that you felt like you were sitting down with an alcoholic drink or like a or like you said a fizzy drink maybe or something and it was it kind of became our, our ritual every night was was a glass of kombucha with dinner do you normally recommend having it with food or or is it better slightly before or after it's it's fine to have any time yeah. um but if you like, so if you had IBS, for example, and you wanted to get maximum benefits, I would suggest having a small glass um, at least half an hour before you eat anything, okay. just so it gives it a chance to work through rather than sweeping it through with whatever food you're having. Um, but in in most, well, not in most, I don't know if most cultures, but certainly in lots of cultures, it is actually traditional to have a fermented something with your meal because it aids digestion, and it's something that we've lost in this in our westernized or you know refrigerated or whatever you want to call it culture um so with dinner is great and it's interesting you say about having it as an alcohol replacement it goes great as an, an alcohol accompaniment as well i say detox while you retox um they definitely, <laughs> they definitely cancel each other out um but the reason it goes nicely you know, so if you've got a really good fizzy one it's great in a champagne flute um oh, nice. if you've got someone that's not quite so fizzy you know a nice big wine glass and um the reason i think the reason and there's probably no science behind this whatsoever but because it's got a yeasty smell that's the smell that we associate with beer and wine yes um, yes and it's also got a grown-up taste i mean how many of us were overjoyed at the taste of beer or wine the first time we tried it it's almost something you have to force yourself to get used to yes um, yeah. and i think kombucha kind of ticks those boxes as well um so I know I persevered and I wine is now a second to kombucha you know my favorite drink so persevere and hopefully kombucha will get to the top of the list oh awesome oh. and there's some other benefits we just had um offline before the call and I was asking you about using things like kombucha actually on topically on your skin um mm. and do you have any much experience with that I know um Emma Myhill who sometimes comes on our podcast she's a naturopath um she had suggested Matt has um I think he has terrible skin flora so there's a bit of discussion now about skin flora and gut flora being very different and different right. strains kind of populating different areas of the body and Matt is really prone to getting kind of like fungal infections on his skin if he gets a cut it will usually turn into some sort of infection and um, doctors are just constantly giving him kind of creams and things and, and I'm convinced it's because he has this love of, of um, imperial leather various other kind of chemical soaps and aftershave he's a real yeah basically wins he's a real metrosexual so um, he has more kind of products than I do in the bathroom. And, um, would, and I he, want to know, would you be saying this if he was sitting next to you? No. <laughs> well, I would, but he'd be going, shut up, shut up. <laughs> but um, she recommended actually getting the SCOBY uh, and putting it onto his skin. And I just wondered if you've ever done that or actually just put the kombucha on skin, if that helps. There's a lot of um, kind of probiotic moisturizers and deodorants coming out yeah. now. Yeah, definitely. So um, I have at home in, they are in my fridge, so never put a scoby in the fridge. But um, for medicinal purposes, I've got little scobies that have grown in the bottle and I'll hoik them out and save them and I chuck them um, in, in the fridge. And they are, I've got a seven-year-old boy, so bumps, cuts, grazes, 
Um, they're really good, especially if they're small, thin ones. Pop them on the skin uh, and, and secure them somehow, usually just with a, a, a crepe bandage. Yeah. Um, not only yeah. does he feel like a super important patient, but <laughs> so they're good for burns. Yeah. Um, they, because they hold a lot of... If you've ever seen a dehydrated SCOBY, it's, it's dry. It, I mean, the volume is nothing. So most of the volume that's held in the SCOBY is actually kombucha and it's it's the um, the liquid within it. So I've used them for burns. Um, last summer, I seem to have... Uh, no, not fruit flies. Um, a horse fly. When I was out playing golf, I got bitten by horse flies and I reacted really badly to them. Um, and I was sat here one day and it was about two weeks later and it was still swollen on my ankle still swollen and red and pain not itchy but painful and there was a scoby that i took out of a bottle that i was drinking that was just the perfect size so i strapped it to the bike and strapped it to my leg um and it literally stopped the pain almost immediately so i and i kept that on there for about half a day and then it was gone so insect bites as well um i use i'm glad people can't see me today because today's not a good day but i use um original unflavored kombucha on my skin as a toner about once a week oh really Um, really? yeah so and and if you get a batch so if you're brewing and you get a batch that goes too far i.e it really really is vinegary or you go on holiday and you just leave it which is fine that vinegar has a multitude of uses in its own right as well so people can use that as a hair rinse if you see a list of alternative uses for apple cider vinegar of which we all know there are hundreds basically kombucha vinegar can be used for most of those things as well so if you use it as a hair rinse it will close all the cuticles um, and make it more shiny as I said I use it for a skin toner you can use it in salad dressings marinades obviously if you're then cooking something so that so the vinegar or the acids in the kombucha help to break down meat as a proper you know marinade would um obviously when you cook it you then you're the cook not me (laughs) (laughs) you'll have to explain the science behind that you'd lose the probiotic element yeah but certainly it still would function like a a normal marinade amazing well i was going to ask you do you think um products like kombucha i know kind of fermented foods are reaching supermarkets and obviously that most of them are in health food shops when they're in super markets generally you're seeing them pasteurized or pasteurized versions of have you been approached by any kind of mainstream retailers to to offer kombucha or is it just not possible with kind of environmental health legislation Um, no it's it's definitely possible so i I mean i get frustrated i I don't think there's a milk kefir that isn't pasteurized even in the health food shops um and the reason for that is it causes massive problems with packaging so you know depending on what lids i've done we've done it ourselves we had a certain type of lid closure on our small bottles um and it was absolutely fine but as you know six months later um, our product's got two year shelf life so six months later in the hot weather you would hear hissing as the pressure was (laughs) releasing itself so that i mean i think we've solved our packaging issue personally it would we've spoken to tesco's in the past i don't actually think the mainstream in the uk is quite ready for it yet you only get one shot basically at and i'm talking as a manufacturer here rather than as a consumer yeah probably want it in supermarkets whereas i'm a little bit more tentative in the sense that we only get one shot you know if a waitrose or someone decide to stock love kombucha and they try it for six months and it doesn't particularly sell because actually maybe i don't know 75 percent of the population still aren't at the place where all of your listeners and and, you know paleo people are um i'd rather wait two years or something however long and it then you know there'd be a demand for it and then they stock it then if that does that make sense yeah absolutely and i think that will happen because you're seeing it more and more in kind of um i'm seeing it now in mainstream media just 
gut health yeah. generally is kind of coming um, to people's attention and also kind of an emphasis on probiotics and, and live foods. And so I think it's only time. And if you think of um, like the raw dairy, the raw cheeses are now in supermarkets where they weren't yeah. previously, everything had to be pasteurized. So, but I do think it will be a very slow change. And, and like you mentioned, because people are kind of eating, most people's diet might be kind of higher in sugar, adapting mm-hmm. to something that's more sour tasting or bitter tasting is going to take a bit of time as well. So palates are going <laughs> to, or they'll be telling you to add more sugar or make it kind of a, a sweeter brew so that more people have, because obviously they've got a kind of vested interest of, of selling more and making it a popular product. So my, have, my concern is that approach. that happens. We were approached by um, a large, how can I call them, I guess deli sandwich chain that's in every single town in the UK about making a kombucha under their own label. And and I said, great, you know, we can do that. That's fine. Um, Unfortunately, they wanted it a lot sweeter, not to have that vinegar taste and um, in a plastic bottle. So, and I know that they are launching it this year and another manufacturer is making it for them. But personally... I needed to stay true to, you know, maybe the other manufacturers haven't come at this from a paleo perspective or the sugar, the fact that it might have five or six or seven grams of sugar per 100 mils isn't important to them. For me, that, that was one of the most important things. So I wasn't prepared to, what's the word I'm looking for, to, um, to, to go away from my morals or, uh, you know, and to do a product that I wouldn't be happy for anyone to know that I put my, you know, I wouldn't want my name to be on it. So, you wouldn't sleep at night, really, because... Well, you I know, personally, not... I wouldn't. <laughs> Cut my nose off to spite my face. I yeah. don't know. Stupid, perhaps. But um, but no, I said I, we we said no because I don't think kombucha should. It's a great thing that there are going to be millions of people who will walk into those high street chains and they'll see a bottle with kombucha on it and they'll try it and they might like it, but actually then they'll taste our kombucha and think, well, this isn't the same. Um, yeah. And it's it's a bit of a battle for for me to. to I'm torn between thinking it's great that it's getting out there, kind of ramming down people's throats that actually it shouldn't taste like that and it shouldn't be sweet and it shouldn't be sugary. And, you know, one of the choices we've made is to go with the lowest sugar that we can possibly that we can possibly kind of get away with whilst it's still palatable in the knowledge that you can mix it with other things so one of the things I've talked about in one of our recent mailers and I do this for my son as well who um, as I said he's only eight uh, and kombucha is a little bit too sharp for him so I tend to mix his with a little bit of apple juice he's still getting the goodness in you know people can mix it with something slightly sweeter but if I make a sweet kombucha they can't take that out so I'd like to give people the choice Um, I make up a fruit punch when we do events that's a third blueberry kombucha a third apple juice and a third soda water so it's not high in sugar but it's a little bit more gentle for kind of younger taste buds um, while still getting the good stuff in well I said to you like I'd love to start seeing it in bars um so that you could go out on a Friday night meet your friends and kind of have you know a kombucha but as we were kind of talking about it that the demand would need to be there the understanding would need to be there that you know because a lot of people now are kind of um trying to decrease alcohol consumption or you know even give it up completely but so much of your social your life does actually well in, in lots of big cities your social life revolves around meeting friends for a drink so it would be yeah. nice if there were other options out there and, and I could see fermented foods and, and very takes on kombucha and even fermented ginger beer I mean do you have kind of other products in mind that you might branch out towards or I don't 
don't give away any kind of trade secrets. No, no, but. No. Um, I need to do. I need to do another flavour. There's there's definitely demand from our customers that they want another alternative flavour. So I often um, kind of do a survey when I go to events and find out what people want. And um, but the development processes are just we're so so busy. I mean we've grown. I think we grew forty four percent last month, oh, just wow. last month compared to the month before. And that was a particularly you know strong month. But we've grown every single month since we started. So I'm torn between you know consolidating what we've got and making sure that's working really well and then because it's still only it's only me (laughs) (laughs) around the clock yeah my partner my partner does the account in his spare time (laughs) so uh, I don't know do I need to hire someone for research and development we looked at doing water kefir um, and there is a demand for that one of our biggest shop outlets said are you thinking about doing water kefir and I I don't think it's shelf stable enough I think and it's also easy easy to make at home as well kombucha is easy but water kefir kombucha takes weeks water, water kefir takes like 24 to 48 hours so so yeah i've been i've been asked and there is a demand but at the moment i'm just looking at a new flavor um for our existing range um and obviously the book that was um a total surprise i never had it wasn't on my to-do list <laughs> it wasn't I'm not, i didn't have this burning desire to become become a published author i was actually approached by pavilion who said we want we recognize that kombucha is a trend that's coming um, and we'd really love to be one of the first to get a book out there. And I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's it's a square hardback, you know, loads of beautiful. But I, if you've seen the Deliciously Ella books, it's the same photographer. Um, oh, that wow. did yeah, books. they're beautiful. Yeah, it's just gorgeous. Um, and they've made kombucha look attractive, which is quite a feat because if you've seen the scoby sitting on your counter at home, um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's like my <laughs> So, you know, they, I said, well, what kind of book do you want it to be? And they said, think of it as a cookbook, you know, a how-to with lots of enticing photographs and, um, you know, method photographs showing people how to go about it. Um, it wasn't difficult to write just because it's the stuff, you know, just sitting talking to you here, I've it's the stuff I talk about all day, every day to, to customers and at events. So all I had to try and do was get the words from my head onto the page in some kind of legible order, <laughs> <laughs> which was easier than when I'm speaking because you can go back and, and cut and paste. But <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm totally in love with this book. Um, and I sat and, because I wrote it quite quickly um, when it came out and I actually had a copy in my hand, I had to sit in, and I read it back and thought, no, I'm, I'm actually quite happy with that. So yeah, if you've got any inklings that you want to try and make kombucha, then it's it's there are more complicated books out there, and there are um, more scientifically detailed books. Um, this is, as I said, think of it like a cookbook: why you drink it, how you make it, how to flavour it, and how to enjoy it, and and all the alternative uses as well. So um, it shouldn't be too difficult to kind of get people enthused about it. Really, that's what really most people want to know anyway. And I think when you try and take it to that next level. Um, often, you know, you then start to overthink the process and, you know, that everything you've just outlined is really kind of what I think people need to know about it and, and that's the end of it. But um, And where can people buy the book then? Where is it available? Um, so it's available on online, places like Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smiths, uh, Blackwells, um, and we also sell it on our website. So if you are ordering a case of, 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 of Love Kombucha either to drink or to save the bottles for when you make your own because they are perfect for that, 
um, or to buy originals so that you can flavour it with the flavours in the book. Um, we can stick one in with the case um, in a waterproof bag just in case. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, and I'm doing a couple of book signings and things. I'm doing one in, in my hometown uh, this Saturday, but also um, uh, it should soon be stocked in the likes of Whole Foods Market um, and then we'll coincide some product tastings with some book signings and things as well. So, Have we mentioned the name of the book? I don't know if we have. Is it just Kombucha? It's called Love Kombucha. Love Kombucha. Oh, okay. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Amazing. So it's Love Kombucha and it's available Amazon and Waterstones. And where is the book signing then? Um, so there's one in Newbury, which is my hometown yeah. this weekend because I'm a proper local girl. Um, and then as and when we arrange others um, in kind of the Whole Foods markets in London, I'll, I'll post them up on our webpage as well and I'm assuming you'll be giving out a glass of kombucha <laughs> with the book sign in <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely so yeah no it's great to combine it with a tasting and it's lovely to see the book being sold um, obviously there's normal bookshops and things but it's lovely to see it being sold at places where our product is sold because you know well it's just a no-brainer but um, it, there are so many people that have either tried to make their own and failed and I think how oh, why um, so and then they buy it so yeah it all kind of ties together really nicely well, I'm going to get cracking with it. I'm going to read the book cover to cover and I'm going to pop my kombucha cherry <laughs> and do it. One other thing, I, I have promised, because people do still have questions, um, I'm going to do, once it's kind of out there and I'm getting similar questions come through from different people, I'll do like a live Q&A on Periscope. Oh, um, awesome. Okay. Because then I can actually show people so and they can they can kind of send me their questions as I'm doing it. So if you, are, if you use Periscope, if you don't, um, it's an app. That I think it's owned by Twitter, but um, it's it's live streaming, and you can type questions to the person, and they pop up on my screen as you're watching. So, and I can then answer them verbally whilst you're typing questions to me. So, um, not in the next few weeks, but uh, if that's of interest and you've got brewing questions that relate to the book, um, yeah, follow us uh, or ping me an email, and that will prompt me to actually get out there and start answering the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Where else can people follow you? Are you on all the normal Facebook and? Twitter, yes, email list. Exactly. So Facebook is just love. I think it's Love Kombucha UK um, because there is a Love Kombucha somewhere else in the world. Uh, so Love Kombucha UK and the book cover is the profile photo. So you'll see this beautiful pink bubbling bottle um, and a piece of watermelon. So just not to confuse people. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are at Love Kombucha. Uh, we do have a Google Plus page as well um, and a Pinterest. But I got to be honest, it's difficult to be everywhere at the same time. So yeah, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter are the main channels and then our, our web address is um, lovekombucha.co.uk and I can, you can highly recommend just at least get one little box if you've never tried it before and if you are going to make it at home I think it's great to actually just try it first and, and know what you're aiming for as well yeah, I, I would say that actually <laughs> <laughs> or you might try it and think oh my goodness I'm never going to go near it again so at least then you know without wasting all this time growing this baby yeah definitely <laughs> actually I have got a client who I put on to doing um, she's doing her own sauerkraut and fermented uh, carrot and ginger and I gave her all the recipes and um, I hooked up with her four weeks later and I said how's it going she went yeah I did it all I absolutely loathe it it's the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted I so I was like <laughs> so I was like right you need to try kombucha then let's go with kombucha next but um, you know she was like okay I'll try that next but yes yeah, work in progress I did tell her that her taste buds will adapt very slowly but yeah <laughs> Well, Brilliant. Yeah. so amazing talking to you, and um, yeah, I can't wait to see the book. And I will—I'm going to follow you on Periscope just to make sure I don't have any kitchen <laughs> mishaps when I'm brewing my kombucha. 
Um, but yeah, hopefully, good luck with the book tour. And uh, I'm sure we're going to catch up with you soon at a future paleo event or similar nutrition event at some point. I'm sure we will. Thanks so much for having me on, Keris. Awesome. Have a great day and I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you.